The following program is for informational and educational purposes only. This program does not replace medical, mental health, or psychological diagnosis and treatment prescribed by your personal physician, psychologist, therapist, or other health care provider. Please consult your provider for diagnosis and care before beginning or changing any program or idea discussed. All ideas expressed are opinions and property of host Dr. Dory Lynn or the Center for Relationships, Sexuality, and Spirituality, LLC. It's time for Mindful Matters, Love, Sex, Spirit. Your host is Dr. Dory Lynn. Age and experience are an asset, and Dr. Dory has put together experience, stories, some great guests, and connections with you front and center for a fun-filled adventure. We invite your participation as well. Now, here is Dr. Dory Lynn. Hello there. This is Dr. Dory Lynn. And I'm hosting Mindful Matters, Love, Sex, Spirit. And remember, you can always call in at 1-888-346-9141. 1-888-346-9141. Today, we're going to veer a little bit because we have no guest on purpose This has been an educational experience for me as I have been listening to my wonderful guests and I'm thrilled with the people who have been, uh, I've been honored to really host. I have learned a great deal, but I have also realized that I am filled with opinions. I have always been an opinionated person Uh, I've always been a thoughtfully opinionated person, I hope. And I realized that I had a lot to say. So part of being mindful and having it matter is to have your host, hostess, express some of their opinions. This occurred to me as I was talking with a colleague and friend, Dr. Judith Logue, who may join us if she's, uh, she's not in the studio, but she will call in if she has something to add or something to um, suggest. But we were talking and I was talking with my friends and my significant other, and I realized I was ranting about a lot of issues, not politics and not money. I've promised you those are two issues that we're not talking about. But the more we're becoming a world of artificial intelligence, it seems to me the more we have fake everything, fake news, fake ads, fake information, and the less our society has the ability to critically think. I was at a restaurant Sunday, and they had, a, as, as I was leaving, they had a, a quiz, and they asked college students where the um, Gettysburg, not the Gettysburg Address, but I think the Declaration of Independence was written, and where it could be seen, not one person could answer it. 
by the way, the answer is Philadelphia. I was horrified. A lot of things have horrified me lately. So I thought today, although this was originally conceived, the show was originally conceived to share views, to educate, to have a conversation about issues that were deemed relevant in our world, in, you know, besides politics and money, I thought there were other issues that were equally important. As someone who practiced as a psychologist for almost five decades, that's a long time. It's a long time to see history change. And I'm not one who wants to go backwards. I love living life and living forward. But issues that are very important to me seem to me to be falling by the wayside. Issues of forgiveness, issues of integrity, issues of speaking one's personal truth, personal responsibility. We don't seem to take personal responsibility for very much at all. And I'm going to tell you a little bit about what I mean. And again, critical thinking. Where is critical thinking? How are we teaching it? In my view, we are not. All of those issues seem very relevant right now. I like a saying that I've lived with for many years that goes curiosity over judgment. And one of the things that I know as a psychologist is people like black and white. And they like black and white, not necessarily because they believe black or white, but because emotionally it is easier. If you think you are set in a course, even if like Columbus's uh, era where it meant you thought you were going to sail over the flat world, the belief in something eases anxiety. And we are teaching people not to have anxiety. We are developing a society, in my view, where life is some, somehow supposed to be easy. I don't know where we ever got that concept. It seems to me the one thing we do know is that life has challenges. You're guaranteed challenges. You're promised challenges. And if you don't know how to deal with them, you go under. I also believe we're living in a world that is lacking in love. And uh, we can talk a little bit more about that. But I want to tell you a little bit about what threw me over the edge. I have spent a good deal of my life with uh, psychotropic medications, not me personally, but helping people get off of them, helping them understand what makes them tick, how to deal with issues, their marriages, their children, their careers. Sometimes it would take 
months. Sometimes it would take years. But we would get to know what we call the shadow side of people. And this has always been my orientation. I am not opposed to drugs when they work. I am not opposed to drugs that help people. I am opposed to our psychopharmaceutical culture. And I want to tell you what happened to me that made me decide to do this particular show. I went for what I call my well-adult checkup, just like a well-baby checkup. And uh, the first thing I had to fill out was everything that was wrong with me, that I didn't know was wrong with me. I am blessed so far with enormous health, agility. I work at it. I've been doing yoga for 40 years. Anybody who's been listening knows that I move. Movement is the single most important thing as one ages. And there was an assumption as I was filling this form, filling out this form, that, and it goes like this, it doesn't say, are you well? That wasn't even in the form. It didn't even say, do you consider yourself well? It went right into, can you go to the bathroom by yourself? Can you eat by yourself? Can you get dressed by yourself? By the time I was finished with four pages of uh what is normal for some people my age, I know that. I didn't know whether to feel depressed or just very, very grateful. It was, I thought, a very bad form because there was no place for any latitude to say, are you healthy? I, after about four people, because, of course, I never got to see the doctor. I went to, I saw the PA and the, um, and the assistant and the, you know, four people in a row. I finally get to the assistant, and she talks about my very good health. And then she says, are you ever anxious? I look her straight in the eye. That seems like a very normal question to me. And I said, of course. Her mouth dropped, and I said, well, I'm from New York City, and in New York City, we call it eustress. Now, she may not have even known what eustress was. Eustress is something called good stress, and there is such a good thing as a, a word as eustress, and it's good stress. It's, it's the kind of a slight stress that motivates people and helps them activate and do things. Uh, There is a difference between stress and anxiety, although psychologically, psychodynamically, and physiologically, they are very, very similar. But we use them interchangeably. Uh, I didn't say I was stressed. She said, are you anxious? I said, yes. She never once asked, What makes you anxious? Well, doing the show makes me anxious. Um, She never said, are you anxious a lot? Which I am not. She never asked, uh, were there anything, were there incidences that made me anxious? Nothing like that. She just looked at me and she said, well, we have three antidepressants 
and anti-anxiety drugs, and she explained them to me, all of which I was very familiar with, all of which I had helped people get off of over the years, and all of which have very serious side effects. I was stunned. I didn't ask for the medication. It was offered to me. So I actually tried to start a brief conversation, and I said to her, well, what's wrong with a little anxiety? And she started to explain to me how it's not good for the system. Well, anxiety, if it continues, is not good for the system. It wears you down and it has all kinds of secondary impact. But drugs have side effects. They have side effects on the kidneys, on the liver, on, uh, it's kind of, do you want to get killed by bubble gum or licorice? You know, which is it? Anyway, I politely said no thank you to her kind offer. I don't think she understood what I was saying to begin with. And then I realized she never asked me some other questions that I would have thought relevant. She never asked me if I had a sex life. It was assumed that at my age, I didn't. And if I had a sex life, was it satisfying? Was I orgasmic? If I didn't have a partner, uh, did I self-pleasure? There wasn't a question relevant to the important things in my life. Was I still working? It was assumed I was retired. Well, I tried retirement. It didn't serve me well. So I went back to work and I love it. I'm very happy with it. This impacted me very, very greatly. And it made me think about a lot of things in the world where with no pain, we have no gain, and how we are teaching people political correctness across the board. And I'm going to talk about a few places where I think we are erring greatly please feel free to agree, disagree at 1-888-346-9141. But where we are um, so politically correct that we are not permitting people to have genuine emotions. And I think that is really what this very nice woman was trying to do, just dull my emotions. I don't want my emotions dulled. I love my passionate side. Uh, I love that I practiced for years in people's souls. And the original meaning of psychotherapy is psyche means soul. The therapist was the caretaker or the caregiver of the soul. It had nothing to do with mental diagnosis. And together with my clients, I don't even call them patients. I can call them patients. We're all patients in one way or another. Uh, we learned to laugh, to help each other. I mostly did groups. I was head of a training institute. And we learned to see our shadow sides 
as Jung would say, or for those of you who are old enough to know Ingmar Bergman, not Ingrid Bergman, who was in, did have Ingmar Bergman's child. Uh, Ingmar Bergman said, we live through a glass darkly. It's one of his movies. I don't know how many people know his films, but I would highly recommend them. So I find that after living three quarters of a century, more than three quarters of a century, I have many issues that I've been thinking about and that do trouble me. And if Dr. Logue wants to um, comment at any time, she'll call in. Let me tell you a little bit, by the way, about I'm going to skip over some of my thoughts about stress because it really has to do with fight, flight, and anxiety, and all of the rest. But that is what happened to make me think about the things that disturbed me. So, one of the things that disturbed me, and we won't have time in this segment to finish it, but I will go into it on the next segment, I'm just going to take a few issues that really trouble me deeply. Is the issue of sex, the assumptions we have about sex, and some of my disagreements with the Me Too and now the He Too movement. Now, I am not talking about the Weinsteins, who I think deserve what they've gotten. Although I grew up in an era where casting on the couch or couch casting was very well known to be a mutual activity. Women were not always victims. They may have um, gone under to more powerful people and they shouldn't have to do that. But from my point of view, sex is here to stay. That is not the same as Epstein, who is now in the news, who is a predator, in my view, and uh, is not, there's no, nothing about equality. He is a predator. And whatever happens to him is he's deserved and why he didn't get uh uh, what he deserved, in my view, probably has more to do with money than values. But sex sells. And what troubles me as we are doing Me Too, and I certainly think there are so many men who have been hurt by the movement, as well as men who have appropriately and justifiably uh lost their jobs, and some who haven't, and probably should have. But are we really going to limit sexuality? Are we, I thought the era of Henry Miller, when his books were banned, any of you who remember that, was over with. I recently saw Salome with her Dance of the Seven Veils, and in this version, uh, it was an opera, 
and it was wonderful. She didn't even have seven veils. They went right at it. What about Bathsheba? What about women who have used sex forever to get what they want? Do we really think this is going to change? Are we going to train change great literature? Are we going to change opera, theater? Are we now going to censor all art? These questions bother me very much. If someone is offended, does that mean we stop behavior? I have more to say on this. Uh, I think we have a break coming up. So I'll just say, for example, without even talking about sex, we have the Starbucks incident that many of us remember not so long ago, where some police, Caucasians and African-Americans, made somebody uncomfortable in Starbucks, and they were asked to leave. Why would we do that? Are we promoting a culture where because one person is uncomfortable, other people have to behave so that they comfort someone rather than help educate them? Does the victim meaning the uncomfortable one, uh, have to have so much control on that question. We'll take a break and go on to the next segment. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit facebook.com forward slash voice America. Dr. Dory Lynn's latest book, Sex for Grown-Ups, reveals the truths, lies, and must-tries for great sex after 50. Now published by Simon & Schuster, this book shows that no matter the age, sex can be a wonderful experience, but there are efforts that need to be taken. Read the book, try some of the suggestions, and live a happier life with better sex. Right now, for a limited time, mention Voice America. And get 20% off the book when you email Dr. Dory at drdory.com. That's D-R-D-O-R-R-E-E at drdory.com. Tune in to Lead Up for Women. Speak up to Lead Up as we celebrate the influence of women in business and beyond. Your host, Pauline Biggs, speaks with guests who have stories to share, have faced adversity, and have become success stories in business, in their communities, and in personal accomplishments. Join the strong and the brilliant ones and understand that the world is ready for you to be at your best. Lead Up for Women is heard live every Wednesday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific Time on Voice America Empowerment. Tune in to The James Dentley Show and learn strategies for success in business and in life. Dr. James Dentley is a proven success coach who knows how to convert good into great. You'll find out from the achievers and leaders how they got to be the success stories that they are. And Dr. Dentley and his guests will give you the tools you need to follow in their footsteps. It's time to become the best version of you. Listen to The James Dentley Show, Fridays at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time, on Voice America Empowerment. 
Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. You are listening to Mindful Matters, Love, Sex, Spirit, with Dr. Dory Lynn. We want to hear from you today at 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. Or send an email to Dory at drdory.com. Now, back to Mindful Matters, Love, Sex, Spirit. While we were on uh, history... And what happened at Starbucks, which I find appalling, uh, I want to talk a little bit about history. And remember, you can always call in at 1-888-346-9141. None other than Winston Churchill, and this is a quote, Sir Winston Churchill said, those who fail to learn from history are doomed to repeat it. And he was basically talking about wars and politics and how, uh, if anyone knows history, how uh, the U.S. purposely rebuilt Japan after they demolished it because of the rise of Germany uh, and Nazism after the demolishment of the First World War. So these are political and personal issues. But Churchill said, if we fail to learn from history, we are doomed to repeat it. So I want you, if you don't believe me or you want to know more, I invite you to look up the decision in San Francisco made to paint over a controversial George Washington mural. The decision's been made. The mural is by a very famous artist. I'll go into it. It depicts slaves and a dead Native American, and it's at a mostly African-American school called George Washington High. It was painted by Victor Arnatoff, who is very, very well respected. And here, the life of Washington, uh, and Arnatoff was one of the foremost muralists in the San Francisco area during the Depression. They decided to paint over the 83-year-old mural because it was upsetting, they felt, to their students. Well, many paintings, especially from the New Deal, could face, have faced and can face a similar covering over and repainting at the cost, in this case, of 600000 Imagine all the people you could feed for $600,000. And I find this flabbergasting. 
history is history. My knowledge of history is not that vast, but I do know those cultures that have rewritten history, Russia, China, for example, um, uh, some of the then communist bloc, rewrote history. Are we going to do the same thing? Why not educate instead? Why not say, instead of being so politically correct, yes, this happened in our history. Let's have a history class. Let's have an education. Let's put a sign up about how that happened and why things are changing, why we have a statue of Martin Luther King on the monument in Washington, D.C., which wouldn't have been conceivable during the Jim Crow era. Now, some of you may think I'm a racist. Some of you may not. I will tell you, I have uh, an adopted interracial family for over 40 years, so throw that into your bonnet when you're making an opinion. I don't understand why we have to coddle children, coddle adults, and teach them that a pinprick is the same as a sword. So something is painful. We all have pain in life. We all hurt each other. We all can talk about it. We all can apologize. We can all learn. If we try to deny history, what is going to happen to this country? My understanding is that many paintings have already been painted over. Now, a view that I have, which is a northerner who lives in the South now, is not very popular, I admit, is there are over 700 statues or symbolic references to Confederacy, such as Calhoun and um, other great generals that have been taken down, sometimes torn down in secret, that have been rioted about. To my point of view, and I have lived through racial bias, I have lived through female bias, I have lived through some pretty awful experiences. I've also lived in many other cultures and countries. I don't believe this is appropriate. These, again, were part of our culture. They were part of how America was formed. And America was not formed with beauty. America was formed with a lot of strife and ugliness and some pretty, I'm going to use an evaluative word, disgusting behavior. Why not acknowledge that and say, never again, as those who fight against the Holocaust do? They, and in Germany, in fact, they extol uh, what the Holocaust was. They don't extol the Holocaust, but they want everybody to learn about it so it will never 
happen again. What are we doing taking these history lessons and just because we don't like them, because they existed at a particular time, because they existed at a time in our history when we're ashamed, we're very ashamed of some of the things in our culture. But shame does not give anyone an excuse to eradicate their history. Shame gives one an opportunity to grow and learn. Uh, I am very opposed to rewriting books. I am very opposed to tearing down statues. I am very opposed to not having dialogue and not explaining what these things are about. Um, Washington was a soldier, a surveyor, a statesman, our first president. He also did a lot of things that weren't so cool. So we do a lot of things that are not so cool. What are we going to do five years from now, 10 years from now, eradicate that as well? I don't think so. I think it is wrong. I think it is a lack of personal responsibility. And I think we are teaching people not to critically think. I'll give you another example, not quite as extreme. Uh, I saw, I recently saw, two days ago, I think, I happened to catch on TV a summary of the movies from 19... 1900s to 1980. I went to sleep before it was finished. And I was fascinated by the evolution of it. I'm a movie buff. I grew up in New York. I love culture. I love theater. I love movies. And one of the things they did was they had the Cosbys. And their comment about the Cosbys had nothing to do with it being the first African-American family and all of the other things it did. It depicted it as the first sitcom where adults were adults, where they weren't squeaky, silly people, and the children had control. Now, we all know Bill Cosby was a huge disappointment. He was a criminal, to use that word. He was a disappointment to all of us who believed in the Cosbys. But they didn't delete the show because of Bill Cosby's behavior. They extolled what the show represented. I thought that was gutsy. I liked it. It was part of history. So the person's personal behavior which may not be acceptable by anyone's standards, did not make whatever the network was, I don't even recall the network, eliminate the show as a pivotal show in the development of TV and then ultimately the networks and Netflix and everything else we now have to deal with. Which, by the way, since we do have to deal with 
so much information overload. Why wouldn't we want critical thinking? I'm going back to the idea of critical thinking. And why wouldn't we want people to be able to withstand some pain, take responsibility for that pain, and say, we can learn from this. Life can change. I was talking before about the Me Too movement, and I just as a, an aside, I was thinking that the women's soccer team and women's sports and people like Serena Williams are both an outgrowth of the positive side of Me Too, but also they will shape women's power, women's prestige, women's ability without putting down men. It is rare, very rare, when a group gains power by stepping on the neck of another group. It happens throughout history. And in this case, I think while there has been an inequality between women and men, and as a woman who had difficulty getting into graduate school, not because of my grades and not because of any other reason except that I was already married, and a particular well-known school, I feel like Ruth Bader Ginsburg, although I'm not in her league, uh, a particular school said to me, you live out of state, you're going to commute, you're married, you'll be pregnant, don't even bother applying. And I was so uneducated, and uh, the, the movement hadn't started yet. I said, okay, and I just went down to another school and got accepted. So uh, history has to be valued. Uh, People like the women's soccer team have to be applauded, I believe, and they will do more to change the power in America. Maybe we'll even have a woman president one day. Who knows? They will change the glass ceiling that is already changing, but we can do it without bashing men. Men do not deserve to be bashed. Men are just as important as women. Not all men are evil. And men deserve to be, I'm going to call them branded as men and helped to learn how society is changing. This is Dr. Dari Lynn at Mindful Matters, 1-888-346-9141. Call if you have a question, suggestion, or reaction, and I will be here. 1-888-346-9141. We're taking a break, and we'll be back. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. 
please join Dr. Sarah, a.k.a. Dr. Red, on an amazing journey of love, soul, abundance, compassion, and authenticity. Dr. Red is a well-renowned healer, hypnotherapist, author, and speaker who has overcome personal challenges to emerge stronger than ever before to reach out to you and heal you emotionally, mentally, and spiritually for the most informative and enriching experience filled with unbridled laughter and insights on life, health, culture, and society. Tune in to Dr. Red Says, Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Empowerment. Dr. Dory Lynn's latest book, Sex for Grown-Ups, reveals the truths, lies, and must-tries for great sex after 50. Now published by Simon & Schuster, this book shows that no matter the age, sex can be a wonderful experience, but there are efforts that need to be taken. Read the book, try some of the suggestions, and live a happier life with better sex. Right now, for a limited time, mention Voice America and get 20% off the book when you email Dr. Dory at drdory.com. That's D-R-D-O-R-R-E-E at drdory.com. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to facebook.com forward slash voice America or search for the keywords voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to facebook.com forward slash voice America or search for voice America. You are listening to Mindful Matters, Love, Sex, Spirit, with Dr. Dory Lynn. We want to hear from you today at 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. Or send an email to drdory at drdory.com. Now, back to Mindful Matters, Love, Sex, Spirit. Again, this is, again, this is Dr. Dory. And I'm ranting a little bit about things that trouble me deeply about our current society. I've uh, far from finished with many of my issues, but I understand there's a Dr. Judy on the phone who has something to say or ask. Welcome, Dr. Judy. Hi, um, this is Dr. Judy. Your topic is very interesting to me because I've given papers on gender equality and I am uh, on the board of an American Psychological Association, Division 51, Men and Masculinities. And we work on promoting positive manhood and gender equality. And your last comments uh, interested me, and I'm wondering what your ideas are for promoting gender equality, positive manhood, and positive womanhood, just anything that you can think of or that comes to mind in addition to what you already said. I will be happy to answer that and will, but can you tell me a little bit about what you are doing with uh, Division 51? It's a fascinating-sounding division, and I'm glad to hear there are women on it. What are you doing? And I'm certainly not going to avoid the question. Okay, well, back in uh, 2011, 2012, uh, a colleague, Dr. Holly Sweet, edited a book for women clinicians working with men. 
and we each contributed a chapter. It was called Gender in the Therapy Hour. And she, Holly became the first woman president of the men, it well, used to be only the men's division. And then we had a couple of men presidents, and now we have an African-American woman president-elect. So it's a very diverse, interesting group, and we, a lot of the members are uh, academics who do research on male psychology. We have a journal. So my orientation is mostly clinical, but there are people doing research and studies. So that's pretty much what we do in that division. Um, and, 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 and recently the American Psychological Association put out um, guidelines for positive manhood, and it created quite a media stir and reactions, both positive and negative. So I think that is a... What were one or two of the guidelines, Dr. Judy? Say again? What were one or two of the guidelines? Um, I I, I don't want to summarize them and make a mistake. I'd have to look them up. But um, it it was about being able to have feelings and... uh, integration of healthy attributes. It, it was not, it, it talked about traditional masculinity and the idea was to embrace all kinds of masculinity. I, I'm afraid to sub, sum it up and make a mistake. And, I, no, I, I understand. That would be worse. I know. <laughs> I understand. It, it, it seems be Googled and I would rather Google it than tell you. <laughs> I, I understand. It's a, it's a hot button. <laughs> it is a hot button. I actually think viva la difference. Uh, I think there are ways that we have to be uh, um, equals, equal pay, equal responsibility, equal um, in many ways. I also think men are having a very difficult time trying to understand how to be men nowadays. There is a backlash going on because uh, they might just put their arm around a woman in a kind way and the next thing they know they're going to be sued for violation. Uh, I think there are other countries, Dr. Judy, that are far more sensible around sexuality. They understand that men and women, and I'm also going to say trans and um, queer and questioning and all of the other permutations we have, which is a whole other show, um, people have to be accepted. I don't think we can rule out sexuality. I do think that modern men are as are so befuddled and women don't understand it. They don't even want to. I know in the business world, they're afraid women want, excuse me for not finishing my sentence, women want more power And men are now afraid frequently to travel with a woman 
because they're afraid they're going to be accused of any of something. So I'm not answering you directly, but one of the things that has troubled me greatly about the whole movement, which has gone quite extreme, is that many men have been guilty before proven innocent. While we all know there are men who deserve uh, to deserve what they've gotten, and there are men who have used their masculinity for power. Uh, I'm not going to get into politics, but I certainly believe some don't belong there just because of the way they have treated women. But there are men who uh, are touchers, women who are touchers. I was thinking of when, of what people would say about me as a woman uh, in another culture, even here. I tend, I grew up this way, I tend to touch somebody when I talk to them. And uh, it's just something that's a point of contact. It was true in my family, true in my culture. I mean nothing sexual by it. But nowadays, I'm afraid to do anything. I think that men need help in being men and knowing that they have a right to have their ideas, their fantasies. There are now rules, I understand, on uh, Facebook, Netflix, I'm not sure about which ones, where you're only allowed to look at somebody for five seconds or three seconds, and if you're overboard, then you've already committed a sexually uh, violent act. I don't know, Dr. Judy, You, I don't know your age, but when I grew up, I would walk down the street and men would whistle. And you know what I would do? I would say, thank you and walk on. It didn't frighten me. I thought it was a nice compliment and it made me feel good for that day. And how can we, this is going a little far afield, how can we say to men, don't look when we have TV, Hollywood, other venues where women dress where there is nothing for the imagination. Are you supposed to say, here I am, I'm flaunting it all, maybe fake breasts and everything else, and it looks like I'm, and I'm not opposed to fake breasts, I'm just saying this is what we're showing. And then we say, oh, but don't look, don't look. How is a man supposed to stay sane with a message like that? I don't know. Do you have any idea? <laughs> they can't. That's the whole idea. It's very, <laughs> what we, we used to say, it's castrating. I, it I'm is castrating. So I... You know, I felt the same way when they would whistle from, uh, you know, from the tall buildings or from trucks. Um, it was a very different time. But I have to share with you, the best uh, whistle was when I lived in New York City for three years and I was pregnant and I felt like an elephant. And I got whistled. They whistled at me and I was so <laughs> taken aback. 
because I felt I felt horrible, um, and it was the best thing that could have happened to me. But nowadays, you can't. They can't do that. Uh, yep. it, it's forbidden. It's politically incorrect now because of the assault issues. So, it, you know, the culture has changed, and and it will keep changing. Well, my it, it, hope... There are many downsides along with the upsides. Uh, by my the way, ho- I just... I'm sorry, go I, on. I sent the guidelines. There are 10 guidelines, and many of the people, the researchers, helped write them, but they're about practice with men and boys, and I sent you an email so you'll be able to look it over after the show. Thank you very much. Um, you're more of a clinician than I am. I'm just a realist who is remembers walking in countries like Italy and Greece, even Paris, uh, not a country, a city, but people touch. And the touch is part of their warmth. And actually, in certain cultures, that touch keeps people alive longer. So we've gone from one extreme to another, it seems to me, where nobody knows the correct, quote, politically correct rules. I happen to be opposed to people being vilified on the whole, not always, for things that they did 30 or 40 years ago when it was culturally correct. It was okay to whistle at a guy, at at a woman, and it was okay to say, thank you. And I grew up not afraid of men. That's the interesting thing. I grew up also a great deal of time in New York City saying, uh, these men are not going to hurt me. They are sexual. I'm sexual. But I have the vocabulary, no. And nobody has to do anything. I was not afraid that somebody was going to rape me. Maybe I was ignorant. Maybe I was innocent. Uh, I knew where not to go. I knew not to go into a strange man's room. These were things we just knew automatically. And it seems to me, to go back to what I was saying in the very beginning, that everything has become so politically correct that we are not teaching people critical thinking and plain old common sense. And the instinct to know when something is dangerous or not dangerous. And if we do it all for our children or our adults, how will they ever learn to take care of themselves? That's a good note to end on, I think, for today, and maybe we can continue this next week. Thank you, Dr. Judy. Come and um, thank you for a lovely show. Thank you so much. Thank you for being a part of our show. Mindful Matters, Love, Sex, Spirit can be heard live every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time and 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Be sure to join Dr. Dory Lane for another exciting show next week.